In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. everyone and welcome to Doing Good. And I am so honored to have today on the podcast, Lark Galley. Lark experienced the devastating loss of her 19-year-old son to suicide. Her story has influenced thousands of teens to stay alive. In addition to speaking, Lark is also the author of Learning to Breathe Again, Choosing to Heal After Losing a Loved One to Suicide. Lark, thank you so much for coming on Doing Good and for talking about this really sweet and tender topic with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Anytime I have the chance to share this story and try to help other people, it just, it, it touches my heart and helps me to heal as well. So thank you. Well, I am so grateful. I, I love the title of your book, Choosing to Heal After Losing a Loved One. That I, is very I, intentional. It is very intentional, and it's something that that I thought about because after my son died, I had a choice, and that choice was to go into a dark hole and not come out or to make a difference in the world. And my first choice was that I chose to heal, that I chose to find some way to continue on in life, even though it was hard, and, and make a choice. And there were so many groups that I was involved with, with parents who had lost children to suicide and they wallowed for years and years. They were stuck in this cycle. And I thought, I, I cannot do that for my mental health, for my family's sake. I cannot do that. And, you know, I can't change the past. I can't change my son's choice, but can I change the future by impacting other people to make a better choice? And you said something so sweet to me before we started this podcast and we were talking and you said, I really feel like my son is with me during these experiences. When I talk about him, I feel like he's aware of it and he helps me and he wants me to share his story. And so it's it's a bonding moment between you and your angel son. It is. You know, and what I share with people is that as a parent, my relationship with my son was was not great when he was alive. We we had our struggles, you know, he was the difficult child for me. And now that he's passed, I've, I've experienced a, a better relationship. I've been able to heal that relationship with him. I feel him very close to me, and it's beautiful. That is beautiful. And, and one of the most beautiful aspects of the gospel, and, and you are living that right now, is that families are forever, and parenting is forever, and, and you are still his parent. And what an incredible experience to be able to parent an angel. I mean, that that is just the most beautiful thought that it doesn't go away. You still feel him. You're still an influence in his life and, and him is yours, even though mortally you're not together. I believe that we made promises to each other before we came to this earth. I had an experience when he was 16 and I was so frustrated with him and I was mulling over all the reasons I was angry with him. And as I'm walking down the hall, this voice came into my head and said, he's not the problem. You are. And I, you know, as a parent, I'm shocked because oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know everything. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> and just this, this vision opened up in my mind of, 
my son and me talking before we came to earth and him telling me, mom, you are going to struggle to be Christ-like, but I'm going to help you. And it was so interesting because at the time, here was a boy named Christian who had told me he didn't believe in God and he was going to help me be more Christ-like. And so I started to relate to him differently, but since his death, I have completely changed how I relate to other people, how I experience life and, and just being softer and more Christ-like. And I think we've made promises to each other. I believe that 100%. And I, I'm grateful that you shared that beautiful story. I've had experiences with some of my harder children, same thing, having just almost spiritual memories of them before they came here with me talking about being my children. And I 100% believe that, yeah, we knew maybe who our children would be. And we talked about being together in a family and what that would look like and making promises to each other. I, I completely believe that. So I want to know a little about your son, Lark. Tell me, what was his name? What was he like? What number was he? What birth order? So he was the, the third child. He was from the get-go. It was, he just butted heads with me. When he was three years old, my first memory of this head butting was we'd finished dinner. I was at the kitchen sink cleaning up. I'd had a long day at work. I was exhausted. My husband was in the living room and I asked my son to do something. And he stood up. He was wearing a pull-up. You know, he was three years old and yeah. no shirt on, skinny little arms. And he pointed at me and said, you can't tell me what to do. Only daddy can tell me what to do. Three years old. Oh, oh dear. And my husband vaulted over the couch and got yeah. between me and said, son, just do what your mom said because he could tell I was so frustrated. And, you know, as this, he was brilliant. My son was brilliant. He, he was almost too smart for his own good. He was yeah. always arguing with me about anything I would ask him to do or explain. He would explain to me very logically why I was wrong and he was right. And he, he usually was right. I just was like, just son, please just, just do this. Just do it. Don't ask why. I know you're brilliant, but I'm your mom. Listen. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, and then through his life, he had a, just an ability to see things. He always wanted to be a mechanical engineer. He was a freshman at the University of Utah in mechanical engineering. You know, you look at this, this kid, 19 year old man, right? And you would not think that, that he was a suicide candidate. My father struggled with mental illness and actually took his life five years before my son. And I didn't know that when you have someone in your family who dies by suicide, that increases the chances by 50% of someone else dying. 50%? 50%. So this was something I didn't know at the time. And then, you know, I always watched my kids. Are they struggling? Is what's going on here? And I never saw that with him per se. He was just a very sensitive kid. And, and that's another key we need to watch out for is okay. the sensitive child. Not only do they take on their own emotions, but they take on other people's emotions around them and they're carrying this huge load. And I just wish I had been more aware that, that the sensitive child needs a little more care, right? So, so what do you do if you, if you recognize that? I, it's, it's interesting hearing you talk because my number three, you are describing him to a T, brilliantly smart, 
but very sensitive almost and and he can read people like if someone rolls their eyes he'll catch it why did you do that why did you roll your eyes and they're like i'm just i don't know like you were doing that at me you're mad at me you know like he catches but he's also very loud and and very wild and he's and he'll same thing he'll argue with me and i'm like oh my goodness you are but but then again in school like i don't want to do this i'm not doing that no way this is boring and i don't want to do this and whatever like you know when you sit him down and say do your homework no but if he wants to learn about something and he chooses oh you can't stop him so note recognizing and, and noticing this what what do you do if you're like oh, okay i recognize i have a very sensitive child super smart i don't know what what do you do like how do you how would you raise him differently or what would you what tools would you give a mother with a child like that so looking back this is what i would have done differently i would have gotten out of the day-to-day tasks things where you're just so busy you're you're barely making it through right and i would have weeded some things out of my life that while i might have enjoyed or i thought were important i would get down to the real nuts and bolts of of parenting and i would have prioritized not saying that i didn't but i would have been there morely for my children right okay and i would also i i wish that i had healed relationships earlier on meaning as he grow as he was growing up i'd always think oh i'll spend more time with him when he gets a little older or when he moves out of the house and has his own family then our relationship will heal because he'll have kids and he'll understand sure i i would have gone back to those early years and i would have prioritized time with him doing something that he enjoyed and and just learning what he what he was all about he loved legos he was crazy for legos as a teen he was crazy for the card game magic and i would now choose to spend time listening to him and getting involved with him in what he was interested in that's that's what i just wish i had done better well and i'm i'm so grateful that that you are so open and honest and because of course all of us can look back you know my oldest son is 13 right now and i'm already looking back at how i've raised him so far and he's the guinea pig you know the oldest one you're like sorry all my mistakes i'm taken out on you like i don't know what i'm doing you're the first to do everything and and already i have regrets in how i've chosen to i don't know respond to things and 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 i'm definitely harder on him than my i have four boys and and i'm definitely harder on him because i'm like you're the oldest you should know better even though i'm like oh you're 13 you're still so little but so all of us can look back at our lives and say oh, i wish i would have done this but do you think that would have made a difference or do you think this this was your son's i i i hate to say well this was his mission this was his path to always take his life because i don't i don't know that heavenly father says yes he knows when tragic things will happen are they intended to happen are they part of our life that's the great mystery and the great question that i think we'll always ask but do you feel like that would have made a, a difference in him choosing to take his life later on maybe not but i i might have had fewer regrets right just a couple weeks before he did die i read a book that kind of altered the way i looked at parenting and i realized that a lot of times we think we love our children unconditionally 
but that's not true because we praise them when they do things we like and we don't don't support them when they're doing things that we don't like right sure and so i realized that i needed to have a talk so i took each of my kids by themselves and we we talked and i said I, I regret some of the things I did, you know, is there anything you would like to have changed or would you give me any parenting advice? And, and I had to be humble and open and not argue with anything they said. And it was interesting. One of the things that my son said was, mom, if you hadn't forced me to go to church, I might've enjoyed it more. And I thought, um, yeah, you know, I would have, I was the same personality type when I was growing up. My mom wanted us to go to church. My dad didn't care. And I could have chosen either way. And because I had the choice, I chose to go. Oh, and so I thought, yep. And then he said, you know, mom, I enjoyed seminary the first year, but because you made me go after that, I, I hated it. Oh. Once again, it's like as a parent, you want the best for your child. You want them to learn and grow in their testimony. And yet when we force, that's not the Savior's way. Right. And so sometimes it's stepping back as a parent and being able to support them, even in choices that we might not choose for ourselves. Oh, and that's so hard because you're like, but I know this is what's best for you. I know this is what will make you the most happy. And then you see parents that, of course, every parent cares, but seemingly it's like, they don't care at all. Their kid's wild and crazy and doing whatever they want. And so you don't, you think, well, I don't want to be that mom either. Like, Hey, you can make your own decisions. And then my kids on the street doing drugs. But I mean, at the end of the day, we, they do have agency and they do get to choose. I am, I'm kind of similar to you. I'm like, no, this is non-negotiable. This is, we do this in our family. You don't have a choice. And, and sometimes I've thought you will thank me later. And then other times I think, I don't know, will they, I don't know. Right. Well, I just feel like because we're such in a different place in, in the world, we cannot parent like we were parented. Yeah, and that's there, true. There was a lot of shame parenting to get the children to comply and go in a certain direction. And that just will not work anymore. It's true. And so I have altered the way I view my role as a parent to one of a guide and supporter and to love my kids no matter what and even if and sometimes the no matter what is really hard yeah oh yeah yep that would and and watching them even even little things like what they're wearing or who they're hanging out with or you know little things like well wait why are you choosing that that's weird or they're weird or i don't know if i like that it's it i mean it seems like well duh but it's not it's not that easy to watch them become their own person and, and live their own lives. Right. And I think as a parent, we need to come from the point of view is why am I experiencing this? Or why do I want to change the child? Is it because they're not enough? They're not good enough. Is it because I'm worried about what the neighbor will think that our, my child is this, or grandma's going to say this really look at our motives behind the way we interact with our children and, and to talk with them. The one thing I think so important if our children might lie to us or do things behind our back, it's because they're afraid of us. And so as parents, we need to be prepared for the time when, and this could happen, where a child comes to us and says, mom, I'm pregnant. Mom, I got my girlfriend pregnant. Mom, I'm gay and I'm coming out. How are we going to react to that? Because these, these could happen. And 
And so if we understand that as a parent, we're not there to control or force or make their decisions for them, we're just to guide them. And if if they do have a situation, I was in a car accident, you know, I don't know what to do now. Instead of judging, berating and condemning them, can we just guide them through the steps? That's what they need. Do you know what's so interesting about that is there are, there's a family in our ward and their daughter got pregnant out of wedlock and then they, her boyfriend moved into the house with this family. They ended up finishing their basement so they could live together and they are not married and they live with them. And it's funny because the amount of love that these parents have shown their daughter her boyfriend is unbelievable and they are so close instead of getting pregnant and running away and and getting into really scary things and never seeing her parents again they loved her accepted her and this boyfriend and they have such a close relationship and I was thinking about that about how it's interesting that sometimes the families that these big things happen to, you know, getting pregnant or, or leaving the church or whatever, or their son coming out as LGBTQ, when they lean in and love them more, the family doesn't fall apart. It's almost stronger. It, it, it's as strong, as strong as ever. And how I'm like, I want to be that. I want to be the type of parent that when my child messes up, it, whatever it is, that they lean into us instead of away from us and that we're, we can still have an incredibly strong, cause I think whatever happens in life, having that tight family bond, I truly think family power, it can get you through anything. It can get you through anything and, and having your kids lean in instead of lean away by loving them. Even though it's like, what did you do? This is not what I taught you. This is not what, your whole life, like why that? And, and even in my own parents, seeing how, how they've parented my brothers and sisters and, and me when we've made mistakes instead of, oh, how could you? It was, okay, let's, let's get through this. Exactly. And, and that's what kept us strong. You know, in the past, when my kids were younger, I would, I almost felt like I was their savior. Like if they didn't make when, it back to God, then it was oh, all on me. Yeah. And, when my son died, I realized I'm not his savior. There's already somebody who's done that. I don't have to take on that role. I can just be his guide and support. And so that's really important as parents to, to understand that we can't save them, right? That's, that's important. And then just, just to love them along the way, that, that is so important, no matter what, and let them know that. Oh, that is such a beautiful way of putting that, Lark, that yes, there already is a savior. There already is. He's already done it. We don't need to worry. And and that what pressure that takes off of us too. Like, oh wait, I don't, it's not up to me to get them to the celestial kingdom. It, it It's up to them. And then the savior, he's, he's done it for them. I was in the temple a few weeks ago doing ceilings with, with my husband. And we had the opportunity, of course, as couples were sealed and then to be children and each, you know, I was a daughter for someone and he was a son for someone. And the words of that beautiful blessing are incredible. There are no conditions. 
when you seal a child to their mother and father, and if you go to the temple, those who receive their endowment and they listen, there are no conditions. It's not if you're true and faithful, you'll get back to heaven. It's once you're sealed to your parents, you are sealed to them and you get all of those blessings, all of them together with all the children. And then when you receive your own endowment, it's like next level responsibility. Like now it's more on you. Yes, you're sealed to your parents, but now you have a greater level. And I think about that with your sweet son, that he is still entitled to all of those blessings because he is sealed to you and, and your and your husband. And what a comfort that must be too. Like he didn't lose anything. And I look at it and, and eternity is a long time. Yes. So for parents that are concerned or thinking, oh, they're not going to make it. Eternity yeah. is a long time and it would do anything for my son. Anything. We all, all of us mothers, I think that we would, we, we, we would do anything for our children. And, and I firmly believe that there's no blessing that will be denied our children or us when, when we turn to our savior and that, Oh, I, I think we, his grace, I, I think we, I don't fully understand how fully that extends to, to all of us and everyone. I would love to know what are some of your favorite memories with your son? He had a lime green Camaro, which sounds like a terrible color, but it worked <laughs> on that car. It worked on that car. And he loved that car. And I remember one time he washed the outside of it, but he didn't clean the inside. And we're like, son, why don't you clean the inside? You know, what if somebody rides with me? And he goes, no, mom, the girls only need to see the outside. I'm not picking them up to go inside. They just need to see me as I wave, as I drive by. And I, I, I thought that was so funny. That is hilarious. They just need to see how awesome I look on the outside. Ooh, a lime green Camaro. That would get my attention for uh -huh. sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and did he work on that car? Like, did he kind of soup it up and do things with he it? Well, he got it when he was, uh, I want to say 17 and it was, it was just, it was just a nice car. He didn't do much to it other than, you know, he'd clean the outside, not the inside, just clean the outside. He loved, he loved that car. He it's just such a tender memory that he was so excited when he got it. Oh. I, have a, I have a video when he got it and he was just jumping up and down and so, so happy and did just, you know, just the memory of, of things that he really loved. Was he involved? I know right now there's like, there's like this rat race to, to be in every sport and do everything and be in every club and just keep up with everything. Was he involved in a lot of things sports wise, clubs wise when he was in school and growing up? He was because that was something that we always wanted to do, but we didn't over schedule. I, I know families that literally like if they're not in four events at per kid at a time. And I'm like, that's not what your child needs. They'll be fine. You know, just decrease the amount of busyness in, in your life. The thing about my son that was so funny is he was very naturally talented, but he was somewhat lazy. <laughs> and so he was, he was, there was one, one season when he was in lacrosse and he was 
playing out on the field a couple of games and that was way too much running. So he became the, the goalie and he was the best goalie and nobody else wanted to do it because they didn't want to get hit. Yeah. But he was willing to be hit to not run up and down. To not run. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. What, where did he grow up? Where did, where, what school did he so go So we to? were in South Jordan and he went to high school at itinerous early college high school. Oh, which wow. is in West Jordan. So he graduated with a year of college credits bef before he even went into, you know, on to college. And uh, we tried to, I'm going to say fast track in the sense that, that we felt education was really important. We put a lot of emphasis on that. Sure. Um, but also he, he played the violin and he played the piano. He quit violin when he was about 12, 14, because he didn't want to do two instruments, but he would, play the piano and the funny thing about this is he started with he would learn to play from ear until he had his lessons when he started about six and he was making up these songs and then as a teenager he didn't like to be told how to play a song like for for his when they have performances etc so he would compose his own music and play it because then nobody could tell him he was doing it wrong and I'm thinking, seems like a lot more work to me. Right. Oh, my goodness. So he really was a brainiac, a super, I mean, my son plays the violin and they do the Suzuki method and play by ear. That is so hard to do. That's incredible. Though he really was a smart, intelligent boy. Yes. And you know what? The other thing that he, just too smart for his own good, he loved to mix chemicals. When he was 10, he set off a rocket in my bedroom, an outdoor rocket. Oh my goodness. No way. <laughs> yep. When he was older, he was getting into chemistry. And my husband, who is an engineer, has a background in that. He would he'd be like, son, you can't mix certain chemicals. And at 10 o'clock at night, we would hear explosions in our backyard. The neighbors would text me and say, hey, my sons are running over to your house because they say Christian's making this homemade Molotov cocktail. Should I be concerned? I'm like, yes, you yes, have to be concerned. <laughs> Don't send them over. Oh and then I, I ran out to the backyard right as it exploded, you know, in his hand. And I'm just like, oh, oh my goodness. How it was fun. always something. Always something fun. And, and boys especially, they love getting into things like yeah. that. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So did, did you, for, for parents who are maybe listening and wondering, are there, are there warning signs? Are there things to look for? Because I've heard some parents say, I was literally taken completely off guard. I had no idea that my son was even struggling with, with depression or, or thoughts of suicide. Are there things that you can look for? And if you see them, what what would you have done or what what should parents do? So I totally understand those parents because I was at that point where I thought I had been watching because of my father and yet it, his suicide caught us completely off guard. So a couple of things. First of all, when your kids come home from school, a lot of times we say, how was your day? And yep. what do they say every time? Fine. That's it. So what we need to help them understand is the emotions, the highs and the lows. So maybe we can start, hey, what was the hardest thing that happened to you today? Get them to talk about something. And then after they talk about what was hard, well, what was the best thing that happened to you today? And talk about what was good and spend that extra time, which doesn't take a lot. Just spend that extra time having a conversation so that they feel like they can talk with you. Let's not overly react because teenagers love to trigger us, you know, <laughs> and, and do that. But, but just 
calm down whatever they say and just take everything with a grain of salt and just listen and kind of see, well, how are you going to resolve that? Or what are you thinking you need to do instead of coming, to, you know, all the answers, right? The other thing that's hard is that as a teenager, you know, the hormones versus, okay, feeling suicidal and depressed, right. it's almost the same thing, right? Sometimes <laughs> they'll even say it just to be like, well, I wish I was dead. And not really, you know what I mean? So it's hard to know, are you being serious? Is this a, a concern or are you just being dramatic? That's hard to know. Should you always take something like that seriously? I would say yes. You, you yes. always you always should. But here's another thing that happened. When my son was 16, so three and a half years before he, he passed away, my husband and he were having a preschool talk. He was starting 10th grade and my husband was giving him the whole list. My husband's military. So of course it was, you know, you need to buck up. You need, if you want yeah. to get into engineering and yes, this, this the whole punch list. Right. And because of my husband's suicide prevention training in the military, he saw my son disengage and my husband had the presence of mind to say, are you feeling suicidal? And my son said, yes, which, you know, shocked shocked us both. My husband came to me and he said, Christian says he's feeling suicidal. I'm going to call the military hotline and get an appointment for him. I said to Christian, I said, are you, are you feeling suicidal? And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Can you, can you make it through till tomorrow? We've got an appointment. I'll take you. Are you going to be safe? Will you promise me not to harm yourself? And he said, yes. We then went to therapy every week for two months. He came up with, you know, the Right. if I'm feeling this way. And then he said after two months, and he was able to express to me his feelings about, you know, not believing in God. I believe in science. And I'm like, well, son, I believe God is science, but you know, you run with that. If that's, what's going to make you feel happy. I think he was just feeling repressed in several ways. Yeah. yeah. And here's one of the greatest regrets of my life as a parent is that after he told me he was doing fine, I never followed up on another mental health conversation. I watched, but I never had a a true like let's let's talk about how you're feeling. And sometimes we as parents, we don't want to know because that would be hard and we'd sometimes rather walk around with the blinders on. Right. But to preserve your family and your relationships, sometimes you have to have real conversations which involves hearing tough things. And that it, it's almost like if you don't hear it, you don't have to deal with it, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist just because I exactly. don't talk about it. Exactly. Lark, would you mind telling us a little bit about when you found out that your son had died and if there are listeners out there that, that have experienced that same thing of losing a child, how did you get through those first couple days and weeks, was there anything that helped you or was, is it pure survival or was, is there anything that, that, that you did that you felt like helped pull you out? Because I honestly, I, that is my, that's my greatest fear is losing a child to suicide. My, my dad's a psychiatrist and we had a, a sweet little boy in our neighborhood growing up that committed suicide and I remember being really afraid of it as a child. Like, what if that happened to my brother or sister? And now as a parent, what if that happened to my child? And it's such a fear of mine. And and, and you've been through it. And here you are surviving and thriving and talking to us. 
So what did you do? And, and, and should that ever happen to anyone listening? How do you rely on the Savior to get through that? So first of all, I want to tell people suicide is a real thing. And statistically speaking, if you haven't been impacted by it, you will be. Which, In some way. Which should be not only scary, but more than that, a wake-up call to say, I need to be more aware of what's going on around. Yeah. Um, my husband, who's 35 years in the military, in up to that point in our marriage, I'd seen him cry twice. And one of those was at his mother's funeral, right? Very stoic, no emotion. He cried for three days. He was inconsolable and just his heart was broken. Of course. I, on the other hand, I didn't cry for a week. I was so angry and just so angry with my son that the man, the 19 year old. Yes. And then after a week, I saw a picture of him when he was a child and I just broke down because all of the, the anger of the teenage years was kind of washed away. And I saw my little boy and I cried and I cried and a couple things to just help me through was my friends reaching out people to tell me they loved and supported me. And then realizing that I had to find a better way. I couldn't go into the hole and. Right. I had to talk about this so that other kids would not make the same choice. And my whole premise was that if I can help one other parent so they do not have to go through this, I will have made a difference in the world. Because what we went through was so devastating. It has affected our family in every way. Now it's more than three years. We're, we're still, some days it's just survival. Yeah even still. So what, how, how did you get to this point where you're like, okay, I'm going to help others. And how have you done that? How have you used this experience to help others? What do you speak? Did you, what tools have you learned? Where can people go to, to, to get resources to overcome something like this? So my website is larkdeangalley.com. I have a book that I wrote that was a labor of love. It was, it is very, I don't try to sugarcoat anything about my relationship with my family, the, the mental health issues that I went through with my father, you know, the instability of growing up with someone who is diagnosed bipolar. I, I talk about everything and just lay it out there. And then I talk about trying to come back from the grief that envelops your family when something like this or, or losing a child in any way. And I'm trying to explain how important it is that we do not blame anyone. We don't blame my son. We don't blame each other. We don't blame ourselves because that will rip you apart. Yes. The other thing is, is understanding that people grieve differently and they have different places on their journey. I have my husband and one of my daughters, they can't talk about it. They can barely say his name. And then I have another daughter who's willing to talk about suicide prevention. She's done a, a few speeches where she's talked about it. I have to talk about it. And, and so I am very public. I have done a lot of podcasts with other people. I've put out a lot of information on YouTube about this and my Facebook. And then I'm involved with suicide prevention events that, that are coming up that are going to be very big. And that is the way that I have healed is I have tried to find meaning that's bigger than my grief. And that is what has allowed me to move forward. Well, and speaking of that, for those that are listening that are in Utah, 
there's a big event coming up on September 10th and this will be at the Maverick Center. It's called Live Live. So L-I-V-E, L-I-V-E. And you can go to liveliveevent.org and it's a huge event all centered around mental health awareness, suicide prevention, a family-centered event. It'll be, there'll be entertainment, it's, it's for families. It'll be super informative and very engaging. And are you speaking at that or presenting at that? Yep. So I'll be speaking. You know, we've got lots of presenters that are coming. It's just, you know, 10-minute speakers. And then we have entertainers that are coming. These are all people that are donating their time because they've been impacted by suicide and they feel the need to share a message. And then there's also in the in-person, but also the virtual. So if you are not in Utah, you know, join us. This is going to be a worldwide event. We're planning to have a huge impact because it is so important to us that it touches people and say, I need to wake up. I need to see this. I need to touch base with my children. My children need to be honest with me about how they're feeling. It's not usually the kid that you think is the suicide candidate. It's usually the person who is just an overachiever, who is a perfectionist, who wants to do well, who seems to be doing well, and yet they feel so much pressure. And, and we have to take a step back and just tell our kids, I love you just because you exist. Not because you got an A, not because you know, you're know you the student body officer, not because you're the cheerleader or the, the football star. I love you just because you exist. Just because you're you. What would you say as, as we wrap up this conversation, Larkin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, the number one thing parents can do, and you kind of just said it, is just love them and for who they are. But the, but the number one thing we can start doing now to prevent suicide in our families and with our children. is to engage with them. For example, like let's say, Try to have family dinner together or something where you're touching base with your kids at least once a day, if not two, three times a day, right? But I would say have a ritual, a family dinner where you're sitting down and you're engaging in conversations. Ask your child, what are you excited about? What are you working on? What What's going on? And really be interested, not, not pretend interested. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, great. Okay. That And that really is, there's so many times where my kids will be talking to me and I'll be like, you know, on my phone, sending an email, something I'll be like, mm -hmm, yeah, oh, wow, cool. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I didn't even look at them in their eyes when they were talking to me. And, and little things like, look, I made this picture. Mom, look, I did this magic trick. And you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. But those little tiny core things that just say you matter and the little things you do and say and matter. Exactly. I mean, I can't tell you how much I wish my son would walk back in the door Aww. or that he would say, mom, look, I, I accomplished this thing or I, I did this chemical experiment. All the things that we take for granted that we think, oh, it's, it's bothering me. It's encroaching on my time. I right. wish I could have it back. And someday, someday, a long time for, well, I guess we don't know, you know, how long we're here, but you will have that again. I, I know that, but I'm, you are so brave and courageous and kind to be able to use this tragedy to bless other people's lives and, and, and help families that 
either are going through that or prevent that from happening to other families. And I think that, wow, like there's, there's times when it's, you know, we learn something for ourselves and then we go through trials to help other people as well. And it's, and, and of course the ultimate example of that is our savior who went through everything for us. And, and I feel like when we use what we've been through our trials for others, we are most closely emulating the savior. So thank you for doing that in your life and being so Christ-like. And you're, I, I think it's so fitting that your son's name is Christian and how he is bringing in you so many people closer to Christ. So thank you so much, Lark, and for all the good you are doing. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Say one more time your website and the book people can get. My website is larkdeangalley.com and my book is Learning to Breathe Again, Choosing to Heal After Losing a Loved One to Suicide. You can find that on Amazon. Perfect. And if you want to hear Lark coming up on September 10th at the live event, please go see her. Go check it out. Get some resources for your family. It's not going to get your kids to think about suicide or want to do it by talking. We need to talk about it more. We need to have this be a normal part of the conversation, just like pornography, just like dangers in the internet, just like anything else. The more we talk about it, the more power we have. It's when we hide and are quiet and don't say anything that it has power over us. So talk about it with your kids. Get serious about mental health and let's strengthen our families. Thank you so much, Lart. Thank you. Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy truly all in one little app and you can use promo code doing good all one word at checkout and you get a full month free so check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com see you soon